This podcast is part of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed may not reflect those of other podcasts or affiliates of this show or Gunna Geek. Check out other geeky podcasts at GunnaGeek.com. And get ready because geekiness commences in three, two, one. Did you know that Mjolnir was the sacred hammer of Thor given to him by Zeus to cast the most powerful lightning spell in Breath of Fire 3? Yeah, literally every person knew that. Everyone knows that. Every Everyone knows that. I don't think everybody knows Pretty that. Pretty sure everybody knows that. No, that wasn't in the Avengers movie. Well? And that's that's the only Mjolnir that people know. You weren't in the Avengers movie, but people know me. You weren't in the... But people know... I don't think that was a sentence. Hey, guess what we're about to do? Episode 82 of Unqualified Gamers. Starring me, Cody Gaff, and you, Jonathan Martin. That's right, you did release that Tower Defense episode. That really awesome Tower Defense episode. It was really good. You didn't watch it. I didn't I didn't watch it. No. It was alright. It really it looked bad. You know what bothered me about it didn't look bad. It's No, it looked it, bad. Shut up. The freeze frame was just a picture of you, so... I'm really good looking. It looked bad. So, listener slash viewer, episode 81 was a tower defense game review, and it, it sounded awful. And I don't know what happened with the, with the microphone on my camera, but it, it sounded atrocious, and the audio... And you, you pride yourself on audio. I do, pride, I, mean, that's I your, do. That's your thing. That's my thing. I'm a radio guy. Literally. You are, you're, yeah, you're a producer at the hit... Uh, the probably the most listened to radio show, if not in Chicago, in the United States, certainly. The Brian Noonan show. Yeah, at least it's probably the most popular show in the entire United States. I would think could be, could be. So right, yeah. Uh, so then the audio podcast was just ripped from the video podcast, so it was even worse because you couldn't even see anything, and it sounded awful. So apologies for that. Um. And I, I know we have perhaps some new listeners this week because we did some promoting over the weekend at Gen Con. We had look at this, look at this. If you uh, if you're listening, if you're listening to the the audio podcast, this is not you cannot see you that can, at all. You, well, so, it's blurry, but I I'm maybe it'll focus. Maybe it'll. It's not. Gonna, it's, maybe, it's not going to focus. Ma- all right, listen. We made these pens, and they say, and I quote, "What is a podcast?" A miserable little pile of secrets, but enough talk. Listen, unqualifiedgamers.com. That's what they say. They're great pens. Thank you. They are. They write. Uh, it's a reference to Castlevania Symphony of the Night, for those of you who have never played one of the greatest games ever made. Anyway, we uh, may or may not have accidentally left some at Gen Con, and people may have picked them up and then gone to our website and then listened to our podcast, which would be great if not for the fact that our last two podcasts were very poor quality. Well, actually, the Angry Video Game Nerd movie review wasn't that bad, but... I actually enjoyed that one. I listened to that whole thing. Um, the great thing about pens, uh, the like the, the whole pen idea in general, is that people need pens, like, all the time. Like, you're always looking for stuff to write with. I'm actually never looking for something to write with. But if I were looking for something to write with, I would probably pick a pen as my first utensil I would, I would look for. Right, as opposed to, so, like, a postcard. Right, because it's hard to write with a postcard. That's exactly the point I was trying to make. Right. So, so uh, 
I would look for a pen rather than a postcard uh, with which to write, and here is a pen. Oh, and it's got this nice little bit about our, about our, uh, our website on there, so that's great. That's great. And, um, yeah, so there we are. So, anyway, hey, you haven't been here for two weeks, and rather than find someone interesting to yeah. fill in for you, I just talked myself, which we all know is a horrible mistake, right? So Well, it, well that was for one week. No, two weeks. Oh, you talked for your, you talked you talked by yourself about sketchy tower defense when you had a tower defense expert in the room with I you. I mean, Russian John was there, but I don't like him to be on camera cuz he's not nearly as attractive as me. I mean, you aren't either, but you forced me to let people look at your stupid face when we record. So, like there's nothing I can do about that. That is exactly what I tell you. Right. That people have to be able to look at me. So, where the hell have you been? Because everyone is dying to know. The I, f- I think the timing just didn't work out over the past over the past weeks when we tried to record. I know at what there was one week where our schedules just just didn't mesh up because you had a bunch of stuff going on at night, and then there was another week where I had not played anything, and that was probably the first week. And I just had not played anything. I had been working a ton, which surprise surprise, that's same old story, right? But so that week didn't work. I remember, um, but here I am, bigger, better, faster, stronger moving longer and that's wronger so I don't think any of those things are true but uh, um, you you were busy and, and we couldn't coordinate which is fine uh, anything exciting happened over the last two weeks oh wait I remember we were at Gen Con weren't we yeah that was something I uh, I was going to talk about yeah that was something. good uh, so we went to Gen Con and it was fun so moving on um, <laughs> video games really okay really okay Okay, listener, so in case you don't know, Gen Con is a, the largest gaming convention in the, dare I say, world. world. It is the world, right? Yeah, so it's the largest gaming convention in the world, um, and we're talking not just video games. The video games do play a part here, but it, it traditionally, like, it originated out of the love for Dungeons & Dragons. When it was originally created, that was, it was actually just a dude bringing a bunch of his friends to a cabin for a long weekend where they played campaigns of Dungeons and Dragons together. That was like the very first Gen Con. So that's what spawned this particular convention. It's held in Indianapolis every year. It goes over from Thursday to Sunday. Most people get in Wednesday night, which is what we did. Um, and you just play all sorts of different games over the course of the weekend, from board games to card games, um, to video games, mm-hmm. to werewolf, whatever that's considered a group. <laughs> it's considered a... Cl- a, a cluster f- it's it's considered I something i don't know yeah so um you just like and it's and it's also a place where vendors come and they sell their new stuff their new gaming paraphernalia um so you know you can find board games that are not even released yet oftentimes they demo at gen con dungeons and dragons the fifth edition the newest edition of dungeons and dragons that debuted at gen con that was not actually available before that um so it's a really big deal in the gaming community um, video games just kind of appeared there in the past maybe six seven years um, the actual convention's going on for around 30 so it's they're kind of in their infancy at this convention and they play a much smaller role compared to these other games um, but again they do uh, they do play a part there um, but other than that, th- that I mean that took the whole weekend yes right yes we're there for pretty much five days because we get in Wednesday and then the con is Thursday through Sunday. I would say the video game tie-in 
primarily exists because of Konami, because Konami is highly active because of Yu-Gi-Oh. Because they... Yeah, something that we have zero expertise in. <laughs> we have absolutely no idea anything about Yu-Gi-Oh, but you are right. Um, I feel like about five years ago, when Yu-Gi-Oh was at its peak, they had an enormous booth at the convention, and it t- it was everywhere. And I feel like it's kind of toned down a little bit, the actual Yu-Gi-Oh um, part of it. But it is definitely still there. It is definitely still a force at Gen Con. And yeah, it is, that one is published by Konami, so they do have some stuff there. Yeah, and um, if you want to go back and listen to our podcast from a year ago, from Gen Con 2013, just go to unqualifiedgamers.com, search for Gen Con 2013. It'll be an audio-only podcast, and I talk about entering the WWF No Mercy N64 tournament, and that was kind of a fun story. If you're me, it was kind of miserable and and agonizing if you're John is pretty much this podcast every week, actually. Uh, and we also talked about Gen Con the year before, Gen Con 2012. So we always talk about Gen Con. But we do. It's something, it's something that we have been doing for a long time. It is always fun for us. Um, really, it's just kind of an excuse for us to get together. Um, you know, we've been going for 16, 17 years, something like that. Um, this, this was my 12th Gen Con. I think it was your 12th or 13th. I think it might be my 14th or something like that. It's a lot. It's a lot of years we've been going. Um, and it's mostly now just an excuse to get together. When we were younger, we used to buy a ton of shit in the dealer's hall um, and demo like a lot of games. We used to do a lot of events, um, which you can buy tickets to there, uh, just to kind of like schedule yourself in, to- in in periods of time to play games. We don't do that so much anymore. A lot of the time now is just spent hanging out with each other, playing games with each other. Um, and you know that's it's one of the three or four times a year that you and I get to see each other, so it's a pretty awesome time. Yeah, it's really great, and I like downtown Indianapolis. It's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, overall. But um, we we could we could honestly just talk for an hour about Gen Con because so much stuff happened. Um, there was one kind of video game related thing that I would like to not kind of review, but kind of mention from Gen Con. So for you board game aficionados, you may have seen the Kickstarter for this. This is a Kickstarter board game. Well, it's a card game, really, but it's called Boss Monster. I'm going to hold it up for the uh, those of you viewing on YouTube. And as you can see, if you're if you're watching this, the uh, box art is in the style of an NES game. And I had never heard of this up until you. Yeah, I I had seen a link to the Kickstarter that a friend had sent me, but I. I don't buy a lot of board games. I don't own a lot of board games because I don't have a lot of friends because board games, you have to have friends in person to play. And a lot of my best friends live afar. So we end up playing video games together. Um, And there's also an expansion, which I'm also holding up for our YouTube audience. And it looks like a Game Boy cartridge, old school Game Boy, old school Game Boy uh, cartridge. So yes, they already have an expansion. I didn't actually realize that you had bought an expansion. Yeah, it was cheap. It was cheap. I th- I bought two things, so I got like five dollars off. So it was like ten bucks. But anyway, um, okay. so but I, I did I did see a couple gamers had uh, had posted links to Boss Monster, and we're kind of interested because it all of the cards have a very old school pixelated style, and the shtick of the game is you play as the boss monster of a dungeon, and you place cards to create a dungeon, and. Uh, 
adventurers, you draw cards that are adventurers, and they'll be like thief, white mage, black mage, warrior, things like that, and they kind of attack your dungeon. And your purpose is to create a dungeon that's too powerful for them to destroy, and you collect their souls. When you kill them, you collect their souls. That gives you points. Or if they reach you, they do damage to you, and if you take too much damage, then your boss monster dies. Uh, it's two to four players. It uh, is pretty balanced, I think, pretty well for four players. I played it with three of my friends. In terms of... So I don't love it, um, and I just want... So does one person play the boss monster, and then the rest play the adventure? No, you each get a boss monster. You each get a boss okay. monster, and you each place your dungeon. The adventurers are the good guys. The adventurers are flipped randomly, uh, so four adventurers appear if there are four players. And then okay. each adventurer has a thing they go after. Like, the mages will go after the magic loot. The warriors of will course. go after the money loot. Or the thieves will go after the, the thieves' loot. Uh, and things like that. So you can construct your dungeon. So whichever of the four players' dungeon has the most of that type of loot, the adventurer will go into that dungeon. So sure. you kind of balance drawing in like let's say you have a lot of money bags you also want to have a lot of traps and things that will attack thieves so your your dungeon is tailored to destroy thieves but also to draw them there um and so that's that kind of a balancing act that you play um it's it's not a particularly complex card game um you have you know certain traps and certain rules we did get mixed up on a couple rules when we played i only played through it once with my friends um i thought sure. i thought it was almost too simple like it the setup is kind of complicated and how monsters are drawn to dungeons are that makes sense how you set up the traps kind of makes sense but then once the adventurer gets in the dungeon it's kind of basically do your traps have more attack than their hit points if yes then okay great you kill them if no then okay that sucks you take a damage and it i i guess i found the scoring to be a bit simple and the kind of resolution so like the game play when you're playing these adventure cards and they're kind of traveling through. I mean, that's cool and that's very gamey and it, it's kind of fun to strategize. But then once you get to the scoring, it was very like very simplistic. Um, you didn't get more points for doing damage or, or things like that. So, I mean, it's it looks it looked just by kind of face value of the game itself. It kind of looks like it's there just as an homage to to you know eight bit art style that kind of thing. I mean good game design takes like a board game, card game, that kind of thing, to balance to balance things takes years of time. I mean, it is a, it is a challenging process. Um, and oftentimes, even when things ship, when the major publishers of board games and card games ship products, they're broken in some way or another, and they have to be eroded later. So, the idea that this may be you know, had, do you have any do you have any um, history at all with like the people that made this product? Like, had you seen had they made anything else before? It's Brotherwise Games. I mean, they don't sound familiar to me at all. That doesn't mean that they haven't made things before. But uh, you know, if if this is like their first product, which who knows, it could be right. If this is like their first product, it is a challenge to balance games uh, and and make them feel good throughout the course of the entire play session uh, to play. So, yeah, you know, I don't I don't doubt that, like, if this was their first project, there's probably going to be some rough edges in it. Sure. Yeah. And and um, what I want is the reason I wanted to bring up Boss Monster is because when I purchased it, it was twenty five dollars, 
which is a pretty hefty investment for a game. Um, if you aren't a that's a, that's actually that's actually cheap for a designer board game or card game. Well, it can be. I don't know. No, it is. I mean, the majority of them start around forty dollars. They really do. Card games. Um, many of them. I mean, you can buy like a, you Dom- can buy Flux for fifteen bucks, ten or fifteen. Sure, but but something like Dominion, which is an actual box game with with components inside, is like thirty forty dollars. Dominion's ridiculous, though, and that's very like this. This only has. I mean, it's not a big box. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it, lo- it looks like Flux. I agree. It's 155 full-color pixel art illustrated cards. It's it, The reason I'm, I'm bringing it up is because I... Okay, well, whatever. Whether it's expensive for a game or not, it's $25. It's still $25. And I'm not, I'm not right. saying it's a bad game. I only played it once. And the first time you play any board game, you're getting used to the rules and you're explaining the rules and you're figuring out the intricacies and you don't understand the balance of the game. Like, you can't really judge a game... By the first place, the first time you play it through, a lot of the time. Uh, now, sometimes you can play a game the first time and just realize it's awesome. Uh, but wh- why I wanted to bring up this game is because I think that if you're like a really, really into very complicated games and you're really into card games like Dominion, like Flux, not not Flux, but like Dominion, like uh, like name other games that we like, like like Belfort, like Seven Wonders, like more complicated board games with lots of moving parts and pieces and and rules. Sett- Settlers of Catan would be the one that's probably the most universal. Like if you're like a Settlers of Catan fan or in a, a uh, uh, like Carcassonne fan, right, things like, like those... that. If you're a seasoned board gamer slash card right. gamer and you play a lot of them. I don't think that perhaps Boss Monster is the same caliber as as some of those other games. Now, if you're, uh, you know, if you sit around with your friends playing Monopoly and Scrabble and Scattergories and things like that, and you want something to mix it up a little bit, and you really like old school video games and pixelized styles and things like that, you could probably pick it up and have some fun with it. But it- and to be and to be honest, that's probably the target of this particular game because they're if they're if they were targeting video gamers for their Kickstarter, there is possibly some overlap with the hardcore board game fans and video game fans, but I don't think it's that large. So they were probably more targeting the video game fans who are your beginner-style board gamers. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. Uh, and that's, prob- that's probably who this product is made for. And and that's fine. I think that I also have a skewed perspective because I spent the weekend playing extremely well-balanced games and and really other really good games. And I got spoiled by your game, or not your game, but the game we played. Yeah, the game that that we played was called Dungeon Lords. Um, Yeah, and it's the highlight of of my weekend um, in terms of games that we played was the was playing Dungeon Lords and it's a uh, it's a game where the premise is you are the bad guy I guess kind of like Boss Monster you're the bad guy and uh, you have a dungeon that you can put traps and monsters in and uh, the adventurers will come into your dungeon and the traps and monsters will kill the heroes and you will get points at the end of the game for the numbers of heroes that you've killed as well as like whoever has the most beautiful dungeon, whoever has the most like tunnels in their dungeon. Basically, it's a point scoring system, and the the meat of the game is getting these adventurers to come to your dungeon and then killing them. Um, but it is far more complicated than that because 
it is all based on these timing mechanics. I mean, there's just there's a ton of mechanics at play in that game. But that was the highlight in terms of games that we played of my weekend. I would agree. Sure. I would agree. It's just funny to me that it's the same premise as Boss Monster, right? You play a villain. Yep. And you want bad guys to get killed. So um, it was the same premise. Now, your, what was your game called again? That was Dungeon Lords. Dungeon Lords took over an hour to explain the rules, has a zillion different pieces, takes two to three hours to play. It could take two hours if you if you really... We definitely were speeding along towards the end there. I think so, yeah. It could, could probably take a couple hours. So, so very, like, involved. You know, Boss Monster, maybe two hours start to finish. So overall, Boss Monster, uh, again, if you're, like, a big-time board gamer... I was spoiled because I'm at Gen Con, the mecca of gaming, right? So I'm playing the best games ever made, basically. Yeah, you can play any board game you would ever want to play there. Yeah, basically. And then I played Boss Monster, which which it wasn't a bad game. Again, it just compared to, like, the best games there are, you know, I'm kind of like, well, well, you know, I played some right. better games this weekend or whatever. Um, so there, there's my cautionary word to those who are interested in Boss Monster and my miniature review, and now we've seamlessly transitioned from Gen Con to your life, Jonathan. How's that going? I mean, your life is, gaming life. Life is good. We've almost uh, finished the house, so that's not really part of my gaming life. Um, at Gen Con, when... So, you know, having having uh, Max, my baby, around, um, my schedule is, like, pretty set. So... There were people at Gen Con that stayed up till 5 in the morning. In fact, there were quite a few of you that did. I was not one of those people. I was in bed at like 1 o'clock at the latest. My Just because my schedule is so ingrained in me now. Um, so I would go to bed at, at 1 and I would be up at 7. And people wouldn't wake up till like 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So I had these large chunks of time where I was literally by myself. I mean, there was maybe one other person up and they would be at an event. Um, so one of the things that they had at Gen Con was they, the, this was the first year they had a PC room. So I went in there and I played a couple of rounds of League of Legends when everyone was asleep. And uh, I actually had a lot of fun with that. It was really cool to play next to other people that were playing. That's not exactly a, a situation I ever find myself in. So I thought that was really cool. And the people that were in there were so, like they were holding tournaments, like local local area network like 5v5 tournaments and the people were so into it like there was so much cheering and they had these two big screens on each side of the wall that were that were displaying the games that were being played and it was really cool so i had a fun time doing that a couple of times at gen con this year yeah i i mean playing kind of live with other people is always a lot more fun than playing by yourself yeah. but yeah, there was hearthstone was a- and you didn't play any hearthstone right I didn't. I, well, I've been kind of done with that game for a while now, so. All right, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my my brief video gaming Gen Con experience before Gen Con, and you know I haven't been on the podcast in, in this is my this is my first time in three weeks. Before Gen Con happened at all, I actually played through, and I had talked about that I was playing through Borderlands Two, and I actually finished Borderlands Two. So let's talk and about I, Borderlands 2 this episode. And I think it took me like... I think it ended up taking me like 30 to 35 hours. I don't know when I had found the time to end up playing that. Um, but I, I think it took me about that long. So 
I would love to talk about Borderlands 2. And before you launch into it, let me mention uh, a while over the last couple of weeks, because I didn't talk the last couple of weeks about what I've been up to. I actually, um, I actually have, uh, I left my last job. My last day was a couple Fridays ago. And I don't start my new job until this coming Friday. So I've essentially had two weeks off. And right. this ties into Borderlands because the Sunday after my last day at work, uh, Russian John came into town. He's one of our really good friends from childhood. He came to Gen Con with us. He stayed with me for three days before we went to Gen Con. Then we went to Gen Con. Then we got back. Then I went to Rockford to see my parents for a couple days. Now I'm back, and now I'm starting a new job in a couple days. So I've been super busy all over the place. Uh, but Russian John, as soon as he got back, he was like, we got to play Borderlands 2. We got to play Borderlands 2. Because last time he was in America, he and I were playing Borderlands 2 with you because you made me get the game as you are, as you often do, forced me to get games. I am incredibly influential. You are. So uh, you made me get the game. And uh, anyway, John and I played a bunch of Borderlands 2 as well. Offline, it was really fun. It's your fault. I'm just going to let you do the rest of the podcast. Okay, that's fine. Um, yeah, you know, I think... I think the most fun I had playing that game was definitely when we played together. So I own I I own the PlayStation uh, three version of Borderlands two, um, as and so do you, and that's the version that you were playing with John, <clears throat> and we all played that together for a while, um, probably a year ago ish, and I, I think we may have talked about it a little bit on the podcast. We did a live play session, remember? Oh, I do. That was fantastic. <laughs> it's, you can search for Borderlands 2 live play session on our website. It's up. It's like 10 minutes of audio of us talking about the game. Right. So we've actually, you know, we I had played this earlier with you guys, and that was definitely the most fun I had with the game. Now, that being said, I obviously enjoyed the game playing single player because I, play, I enjoyed it enough to play 35 hours of it and complete the game. Um, but... The t- I think kind of the main takeaway before I talk about anything else is that I, this game was... It is totally meant to be played with other people. Um, the classes just synergize with each other um, generally, not 100% of the time, but generally they just synergize with each other well to the point that it just makes it more fun to play with other people. Um, so I played the class that is kind of meant to solo the game. It was a uh, class that was released later on as an expansion called the Mechromancer. Um, and I actually played it on Steam because my you know my PC rig at this point is far better than any of the consoles um, that I own. So I played it on Steam. Um, I played this Mechromancer who her special ability in the game is to have this giant robot come out and basically fight for you and you interact with a robot in a variety of ways. Um, but it's basically like a an extra companion. It's like having an NPC along with you for the ride. Um, and the the like the moment-to-moment gameplay of Borderlands 2, the shooting people, the exploring and opening chests, getting loot, all that stuff, that stuff is all awesome. The I have a legitimate problem with the game in that traveling from destination to destination feels so tedious 
And I don't know, I don't know what it is about the game because once you like get to the places that you're trying to go to, and monsters just start pouring in on you, and you're you know strafing back and forth, and you're you're trying to get um uh, you know up up on higher elevations to get better shots at stuff. Like once all that stuff starts, that stuff is so satisfying, super fun part of the game, right? But but when you like when you're given the prospect of like traveling for 15 minutes to get to an area where like the next quest destination is at whenever that happened it was so hard for me to find the motivation like to keep playing to do that and there were oftentimes quests that i simply skipped because they were presented either at the wrong time so like i would i would unlock a quest that would end up being five levels lower than my character by the time that I got it, which I found kind of weird. Or it would just be in a location that was so far away I didn't want to go through the hassle of going all the way there. Now that being said, that's fine because I still managed to complete the game, and the main story quest was fun in and of itself. But there, I feel like there were some like design decisions that I didn't really understand in terms of their quest structure in the game. I totally agree. I we talked about this at Gen Con a bit. It's just that was my number one thing. Is like I I feel like, and you know, John was only here from he's only here from Russia for a few days. It was like we would legitimately spend fifteen or tw- like ten or fifteen minutes sometimes, just running across maps. Yeah, and even with the vehicles, because there's some areas you can't use vehicles in, or you may not know exactly how to get to the area you're trying to go to, and so you have to like get out of your vehicle and maybe go up up the side of a mountain or something like that where a vehicle couldn't drive like that stuff just takes a lot of time if especially if you don't know where you're going um yeah there was actually a degree of difficulty just in navigating the terrain because the maps were sometimes confusing and we would get to points where we we were right next to the diamond the indicator and we would just like run around in circles like around like a mountain or something because we don't know how to actually get up it yeah, and, or it or it turns out that your objective is like underneath the mountain in a tunnel system. Yeah, right. Um, so you know there were some flaws there. I, I'll be honest. Um, I, I compared. It was really hard for me not to compare this game to World of Warcraft in terms of its structure, and World of Warcraft figured it out um, with their their third expansion, um, which was Cataclysm. And it came out years ago. I want to say it was maybe five years ago. So before Borderlands 2. Uh, but probably not before Borderlands 2 was in production. But they figured it out in their quest structure. And the way that the way that Blizzard changed that game with Cataclysm was... Originally, they just had kind of... A, they had these large zones. And they had a batch of quests that may send you running all over the zone. And then once you finished that zone because the zone would be for like a specific level range. Once you finished that zone, you would move on to the next zone. Now, that obviously attracted a bunch of people because a ton of people played the game back when that game was first released and for many, many, many years after that. Um, but it there were definitely zones where it was very tedious to run back and forth across the zone. In fact, it was so tedious that they set up fast travel points, the flight paths between different areas in the same zone because it took so long to traverse the zones, right? Yeah. That was the that was the original game. When Cataclysm came out, they completely 
overhaul to the entire first generation world, like the original world they created for the game because a giant cataclysm happened. And so it allowed them to recreate the world in a more pleasing gamer friendly image, right? And what they did was instead of having these large zones, well they did. They still had the large these large zones, right? That if you wanted to run from one end to the other, it would take a very long time. But what they did to change it and make it more gamer friendly was they would have a multitude of small camps in every zone. So now my zone has five camps in it, each with a group of quests. The quests take you to relatively close areas to these camps. Say there'd be six quests in a camp, and maybe three of those are quest chains that have two or three quests. So you've got like 15 quests in one camp. All of these quests have an objective that is within a four to five minute walk, maybe, of of that particular camp. And you can do kind of do them all at once and then go back and turn them all in at the camp. And they did this for every single zone. And it was a much more kind of jump in, get a little bit done and jump back out again, bite-sized experience. Whereas Borderlands 2, there would be quests where I would jump in. And it was it was tough. And it's, a, it's maybe a not fair comparison because there's a much larger group of people that are working on World of Warcraft and it's con- it's being updated constantly and they have a revenue stream in that they have a monthly subscriber base but there were there would be many times where I would jump into Borderlands 2 I may have just finished a story quest and so I was on the next group of side quests and I would pick up a side quest and it'd be like go here and here would be 45 minutes just to get to the place because I'd have to fight through groups of stuff to get there and it would be like oh my gosh like this is this it felt there were parts that just felt antiquated and that's the like that's the only thing i could think of when i was playing it now again that being said the actual like gameplay of it just this the destroying stuff and the there are chests everywhere to open and find new new guns um that stuff was all awesome but it it felt like a 35 hour experience that i probably would have had even a better time with had it been like 20 hours by just paring it down. Like this was like, this was like a classic example of maybe bigger, not always being better. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> and that's uh that's a sentiment that I had again as well. I, I'm, of course you also mentioned the really, the tight combat and the, once you actually get the weapons or once you actually get into a, into a dogfighter, dogfight's not the right word, but once you're, once you're shooting stuff, uh, that's really fun. Uh, I found an excessive amount of lag on the PlayStation 3. Like, an excessive amount of lag. And I, I was only playing split-screen multiplayer with John. Uh, I, it's not like I was playing online or anything. And yeah, and that's an, I mean, that's an obvious limitation of the system. I do remember there being some choppiness when we played it together back when we did. The PC version, as long as you have a, a good PC, is flawless. I mean, it's beautiful. So Yeah, it's, I don't know. Shouldn't, I mean... Aren't shouldn't in a game like that where much of the experience and fun is a result of I don't know shooting things like sh- shouldn't they have just like scaled some stuff down like some graphics or whatever and I, I don't know like I, from a game design perspective sh- shouldn't that be kind of a important thing for it to run really smoothly? Well, I mean, I think it came out towards the end of it came out towards the end of the of the console's life cycle. Uh, maybe not like the very end, but it came out in the last few years, 
And, you know, at that point, developers are going to be pushing these systems as much as they can. So, you know, it... I think it might be expected. Also, that being said, I think they led with the Xbox 360 as their as their primary platform. So, from I think I'm I'm fairly certain that that version actually runs better than the than the PlayStation 3 version does. Really? Yes. Just because that was what they were designing on when they were designing. Oh, it. okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Still right. a little now, odd. And now that being said, the PC version is is um, objectively like the best of all of them if you've got a PC that's able to run it. So, listener, like if you if you have the game, or or if you plan on getting the game, you can like the PC version is on sale right now. It might not be by the time you hear this episode, but it's on sale right now for ten dollars for the Ultimate Edition Borderlands Two. It's nine ninety nine on Steam right now. So, like, eventually it goes on sale for ten dollars for all of the DLC plus the main game. Pick it up that way, and there are still people playing it on Steam that you can that you can play with. Um, I just didn't pursue that experience of playing with random strangers, uh, but I think that they make it relatively easy if you want to do that. Yeah, it's not a super expensive game to be sure. Yeah, I will say that the for the complaining that I just did about kind of these large expansive areas, the game is beautiful. Um, it does like it does give you a nice varied like it's a total wasteland you're you're on a wasteland planet but there are still incredibly varied environments which the first one i felt like didn't have as much so i did appreciate that i did appreciate like kind of like the art style of this game um and that complaint about the areas being too large surprisingly they pare it down towards the end of the game and the end of the game actually felt like a tighter and more satisfying experience than the beginning of the game, which is not the way it usually goes. Normally, they normally they will put all their best stuff up front, and then they'll kind of lag towards the middle and the later part of the games. That's just like in general, as far as game design is concerned, because they want to catch you up front with the best stuff. But for whatever reason, they just... I think maybe they bit off more than they could chew. They made these huge areas... And they didn't fill them with enough stuff. And then the later areas, maybe, I don't know what happened, but they just, they made them smaller. And they probably filled them with the same amount of stuff, but it feels like there's more there because the areas are smaller. And I actually, again, would have, I think, liked the game even more had all of the areas been smaller. Interesting. Yeah, I, uh, I, I get what you're saying. From a game design perspective, you're so smart about this. It's weird not being able to see you. It's different. Yeah. It's harder I, for me I, to. I look just as good as always. I mean, do I'm... you? I have this freeze frame of you kind of sitting back in your sofa, just looking like a just like a sloth. Don't I look comfortable? Yeah, I, you. I, you mean... I mean, you look hideous, but that's that's par for the course. And I feel comfortable. I mean, that's what's most important. Well, that's good. Well, no, what's most important is whether this even gets it onto YouTube. Because at this point, I mean, Chrome has been frozen for about fifteen minutes, so we'll see. But we always have audio podcasts, so that's nice. It's very exciting. Well, good. Anything else you wanted to say about Borderlands 2? I would say it's definitely worth a play. It's it's not my favorite game ever. Um, but the, the classes are very different in the ways that they play and like their, their different strengths that it's, it's a fun, it's a fun time and it's not an expensive time. It's, it's worth a play if you pick it up on sale. It really is. 
Yeah, Russian John is actually really disappointed that his laptop in Russia can't run it because he would love to play it online with me. And, and it's it's also totally not your standard first-person shooter experience. There's no like hyper realism. I mean, everything is just super cartoony. It just it feels so different. And it's also got that it's also got that loot collection aspect to it. And you know, you know like me, I've talked about Diablo 3 a thousand times. Like I'm totally into that kind of game. So that part of the game super fun. I mean, when I found it totally scratches that itch and it does it well of when you find an upgraded weapon, you get this power spike in your character that is like outrageous. So if you get a weapon that's 5 6 levels higher than the current weapon you're using and maybe it's an increase of of rarity by 1 or something like that, you just feel like the ultimate badass once you start fighting the same stuff that you had been fighting before. Which is awesome. I mean, that's how it should be. Yeah, I, I really like the collection aspect as well. It's, you know, it, it is fresh. And you're not a first-person shooter guy. No, this is like the only one, really, that I've I've played and really enjoyed, other than like Metroid Prime, which is kind of totally different. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, w- I would put this up there. I would say if I could play it more consistently multiplayer with my friends and in a smoother environment, I think I'd like it much more. Because the writing is also really funny. Like the characters it, and the voice acting, it it's 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 a funny game. Like it makes you laugh out loud sometimes. It's it's really it is. clever. And and the main villain, like the the main villain who at the start of the game and and really in the middle of the game too, I found really grating and obnoxious and and not funny at all. It he gets he goes to a place where I was not expecting towards the end of the game, and it for me it was like genuinely disturbing. Um while still keeping that kind of lighthearted aspect to the game, because the game itself is kind of a lighthearted romp, right? But, like, he legitimately gets kind of, like, to a disturbing place by the end of the game. Well, good. Yeah, it was cool. It was good. It was, uh... It's a, it's a good game. It's not a great game for me. Sure. Are they making a Borderlands 3? Right now there is a game coming out called Borderlands the Pre-Sequel. <laughs> good. It's actually being made by Double Fine, the same company that did The Walking Dead. Oh, boy. Like, comic series. But it's being done in the same vein as Borderlands. I th- it's a first-person shooter, and it takes place on the moon. <laughs> so, there's that. Okay. Um, well, all right. And I bet it'll be good. Double Fine makes good stuff. So, I, I actually bet it's going to be good. Yeah. Borderlands 2 also seems like one of those... Uh, one of those universes that's so expansive that if you wanted to do all the side missions and all the optional quests and get certain rare items and things like that, that you could pour 60 or more hours into this game. Oh, easily. And it took me 35 hours or 30 hours or something like that to beat, to complete the game the first time with my first character my character ended at level, like, 36. You can get up to level, I want to say it's 62. And there are six character classes. So, if you ever wanted to level other characters, it would, like... The game could could take you forever. If you wanted to level all characters, maybe, up to their maximum level. I can't see anybody wanting to do that. Um, but... And that's another maybe one of my complaints was I completed the game and I and I was like pumped. I was like, yeah, Borderlands 2, that was fun. I kind of want to jump back in and just kind of screw around a little bit. And the only way to do that is you start Vault Hunter mode. 
And you have to start from the very beginning of the game over again. Just everything is, is upped in level. Rather than have a system where you can jump in and kind of just mess around and then jump back out again with various areas, right? Yeah, because so, World of Warcraft has some kind of system that lets you kind of... Well, now now I'm thinking more of Diablo 3. Again, a game that has come out much more recently and has been tuned much more recently. But their answer to that particular problem is something called Adventure Mode. And it is... You jump in, and there are five randomly generated quests over each act. Each act has five randomly generated quests. And you just go in there, and you do those quests, and they're different every time you jump in. So the game feels different every time you jump in. You get your reward for that, and you jump out. You get maybe some new loot from that. Yeah. That's okay. I mean, when did Borderlands 2 come out? Like, 2011? Mm. 2012? Yeah, I think it did. I think it was 2012. Too bad we're not qualified to know the exact date. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea exactly when it came out, but yeah. it was something like that. Yeah. And I did want, like, I wanted to do some some mobile gaming because we, you know, I was going to be on a plane, but I ended up reading a book. <laughs> loser, loser. Books are for nerds. Uh, yeah, I read I read books, and that's kind of a fun thing. I forgot how much I enjoyed doing that. <sighs> loser, nerd, nerd. So you didn't play anything. No, I'm seventy. I'm hundred and seventy-three hours into Bravely Default because it won't end. No, I am sixty-seven hours into Bravely Default. Do you think you're at the end of the game? I I know where the game ends because I read are, spoilers. I'm I'm are, almost. Are you the, close? I'm almost at the last chapter. You're not even at the last chapter. I'm working on it. I'm doing literally every optional side boss. There's a lot. I believe that. Um, my Bravely Default review, unless something goes horribly wrong this week, will happen in the next episode, episode 83 of Unqualified Gamers. I know that it's been highly anticipated. I know that I've teased it for several months now, but I will finally deliver my Bravely Default review next week. How funny would it be if I beat the game before you? You wouldn't. Okay. Well, you could, but you would have to get the terrible ending, because there's multiple endings. From what I've I'd, read. I mean, I would be okay with that. This is heresy. Her- heresy. This is a heresy. Actually, okay. you, you probably would be about three hours away from the ultimate, or from the bad ending. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, you sure would be. But you'd probably be okay playing different games, too, because I know you're into that. Mm-hmm. I am. But yeah, I haven't touched a console game other than Borderlands 2. Uh, really a lot, except for Sketchy Tower Defense on Xbox 360, which I'd better not start playing after this podcast, because I will not stop all night. It's really fun. Watch last week's episode if you want the review. This was clearly a shorter episode than usual, but John's very tired and has been working a lot. But, hey, summer's kind of wrapping up, and John and I, you know, we usually hit a pretty pretty serious lull in the summertime, but now that winter is coming, uh, Game of Thrones reference right there for you, uh, now that winter is coming... Oh, I we... thought you were talking about the person. Winter Phenom, the role player? <laughs> well, yeah, who else would I be talking about? Wow, well, I haven't thought about her in years uh uh winter is is on its way and so we'll be playing more video games we'll be hunkering down and uh and doing lots of lots of other fun gaming stuff so just you know keep following us on unqualifiedgamers.com and hopefully we'll get some more videos up and lots of other fun stuff and it'll be a good time for all a good time will be had I, by all listener i hope they are videos of just me again because i look better than cody anyway i don't agree with that assessment 
at all. T t I'm, I'm getting a lot of t sounds. T you wouldn't. Tis great. Terrific. T terrific. Those improv classes are really working out for you. Tifrit. Sh Shivat. Uh, Ramut. These are some espers. T Espert. At I think that's I think that's enough. I'm an expert. Do you see what I did there? <laughs>